Welcome to Upholding Matters, a podcast devoted to talking about what matters. Now, I was raised to believe that life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness were things that mattered. And certainly they are the unalienable rights that Jefferson wrote about in the Declaration of Independence. We will talk about how to uphold them, how they hold us up, and why that matters. Welcome to Upholding Matters. I'm David Paul. Today is another mind-blowing day. I just finished watching The Late Show with Stephen Colbert for some laughs, and they had on Jake Tapper, one of my favorite newsmen. I think I like Jake because, well, he's his style is great, but uh, he's brave enough to put a Minecraft cup on his desk. I don't know if he does it anymore. I haven't seen it. And my boys were heavily into Minecraft at one time and about the same time. So it was kind of like a uh, bonding thing. And uh, I admired his courage. But so Jake Tapper is on and Stephen is trying to pitch this idea that things are weird. One thing after another, and it just all feels weird. Now, you may remember that this is what I called the world unraveling dissociative disorder. That weird feeling that you can't explain. It it took me a year to put together what that actually might be uh, a proper name. And originally, I had thought that it would be the UD, uh, America Unraveling Dissociative Disorder. But the more I thought about it and realized it's the entire world that's in turmoil by this chaos called Donald Trump. It gets crazy to even try and remember all the things we've been through, all the downgradings of decorum or decency. This week it was pretty extra special to have the release of a Cohen tape, a secretly recorded tape, and there's another pressing story. This one had a couple of the commentators so giddy and joyful that I just thought to myself, well, good for you, finally. After all this time, uh, a little bit of... It's beyond hope. It's it's like recognition, uh, incontrovertible proof of collusion as if we needed more of that after watching him with Putin in Helsinki. So, to combat it, to feel a little better, to help myself, to displace this dissociative disorder that I feel at the loss of everything that I once believed in or or thought I could count on at least, America being the beacon and the pillar and the thing that other people looked up to, including Americans and their president, even if he didn't like them, we always stood by our president. 
this one doesn't stand by us. And it's very, very painful to have that image of the leader that we rely on so, so diminished. When I grew up, when I was born, at least, Eisenhower was president. So don't count him back. That's quite a while ago. And I've seen a lot of changes in the world, but if I had stayed on a different path, I would have went to Dwight D. Eisenhower High School in the town I lived. So that's something. I mean, Dwight Eisenhower was a general who won the Second World War. How amazing. And then the president who presided over a rebuilding of America and the world in America's image. We can talk about the times that existed, the fact that America was left basically untouched after the war and every other industrial nation was devastated. All these things had a bearing on how America progressed. But certainly, there was a can-do spirit in those days, a moon race, all the other things that we were trying to do, a civil rights movement to put a century of wasted time behind us and get on with equality and justice for everyone. They were great times, and I certainly do remember. There was an order to things that you could count on. One of the stories that was disturbing just yesterday, a pool reporter that represented all the television networks who was supposed to come to a ceremony was denied admission to the White House Rose Garden because earlier in the day she had asked an impertinent question. Of course, it wasn't, and no one would perceive it as that. But you can't miss the real problem. This administration calls the press the enemy of the people, and you cannot violate that sacred trust, the fourth estate of government, a free press to keep everyone honest. And by the way, this is our 15th show. And that's a great number. And as I've come to realize more and more that that's about the maximum time and that's why they have TED Talks that really are no more than that. There must be some research there. So I'm considering whether we just cut down our weekly visits to 15 minutes instead of the traditional 30 that I aim for. I mean, there's certainly 30 minutes of stuff to talk about much more than that, really. So we're, we're trying to work it out. I'm trying to get a better relationship to the microphone. I'm working on it. 
taking some of the hisses and the hums and the too closenesses and the too far aways. My goodness, that's a lot of work. I want to produce a good product. I don't like to work hard. But this is really worth it. And I'm going to keep trying. Because I sure don't mind working hard. Working hard is necessary and often the best thing that we can do. So on Tuesday, I set out to find some sanity in life. And I took in a city council meeting and a demonstration, a forum at the hospital, if you will, given by the director of mental health services there on um, substance disorder and uh, how they treat people and how they help people get their lives back. And a lot of times there are what they call dual diagnoses. And this takes on the uh, character of some, you know, schizophrenia, and maybe it's brought on by the drugs or other alcohol creates certain problems. And, uh, well, everything does, but by the time you have a couple of things wrong with you, it gets a little more tricky to do something. So that was very interesting. But it all came back down to licensed clinical social worker and the psychologist. They all understand that self-help and love, those are the things that help. So let's see how crazy it really is. Today, the Republicans in Congress voted to kill an agency, a commission, the uh, Election Assistance Commission, and it was especially designed and tasked with preventing hacking of voting machines throughout the 50 states. It was there on call and would help any state or local government that needed assistance and to harden their systems against the hacking that has been there and is still coming. Claire McCaskill got a phishing um, thing. It's a false Microsoft website looking thing and they ask to change the administration password or however they do it, but they trick them with something that looks pretty real and Microsoft sues people like that course they don't so show up for court so microsoft always wins and they're able to take back the phony domain names that have been used in these phishing exercises but it doesn't stop them so that's kind of puzzling they say they want to roll it all into the uh, federal election commission or something like that but having an independent group that only protects the election voting machines, 
that does seem like a pretty good idea. We also have that old wrestling coach who didn't speak up when people were being molested by the team doctor. Uh, he's pushing to also impeach Rob Rosenstein Stein. And it, it's just funny because he's also pitching, not Mark Meadows, uh, Jacobs or whatever his name is, Jim Jacobs. But he wants to be Speaker of the House after Paul Ryan goes away. And of course, Paul Ryan is Speaker will have none of the business of impeaching Rob Rosenstein. So this Jordan guy wants to become the Speaker of the House after Ryan goes away. But the heir apparent is my own congressman here from California. He's a Republican, Kevin McCarthy. And I've met Kevin several times spoken to him and he's told stories at events I've been at how he won a lottery bought a ticket and was able to start a sandwich shop and the rest is history so now he's going to be the speaker of the house from California which you think would have some benefits for California and certainly locally around here in my district that he's the congressman of so, I'm not sure that I want a Republican as the speaker next time around. A goal will certainly be to bring some of these talks that I give at city council meetings and other meetings, uh, roll them into our podcast here. Once I master the pulling it out of the other source and putting it in here, Again, not too difficult, but something that takes a bit of time. And we'll get there. Because it would be kind of fun to go over the dust-up that occurred. I told Jay go to these meetings for sanity, and that's what I told him. And then there's this issue that's gotten national attention in Hong Kong. And all over the world, news media has been picking up our little town of Lancaster, California, and how our mayor wants to, and some of them have it wrong, he doesn't want to ban them, he just wants to have an ordinance that says that any employer in the city of Lancaster cannot force someone to wear a tie, a necktie, if they don't want to. The theory being that it cuts off blood flow to the brain, 7%, and it makes men stupid so I had to stand up to clarify what's actually on the line we don't want blood cut to the head we don't want men to be more stupid but I think it's kind of stupid to tighten your tie so tight that it chokes the blood from your head so I think that's where the stupidness starts but I guess really thank you for the stupid things little issues like that locally we can be involved in. Because nationally and with the president, this stuff is, it's just really sad. The Cohen tapes leaked out. The one where he and Trump are 
negotiating the payment to Karen McDougal, the Playboy playmate that he had a year-long affair with, while his new wife, our first lady, Melania, was having a baby. I guess it's a hard time for a marriage. I guess. But most importantly, and I wish I had a drum roll, the news is out tonight that Cohen, Trump's personal fixin' lawyer, will state for Robert Mueller that Trump knew about the meeting with the Russians at Trump Tower before the election to get the dirt. He set it up. He knew all about it. It's straight-up collusion with Russian nationals in an attempt to win an election. It's just preposterous on its head. And the worst part about all this is that poor Donald Jr. testified before the Senate that Dad knew nothing about it, and he didn't bring it to him because it was such an insignificant matter. This will be the barn burner because his perjury to the Senate is not going to be a small matter. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. This is what we're going for. These things about the American president the presidency, under pressure, under stress, under scrutiny. These things don't make me happy. Getting these things straightened out, that makes me happy. So as I try and close tonight with something good, I didn't have to look too far. I told you about the Tuesday meetings at the hospital about mental health and substance abuse and how the social workers and the doctors agreed that in the end it's all up to us and love is what helps loving one another loving ourselves and loving our community to serve in a way that sometimes is not comfortable but is the right thing to do i've spoken before about my admiration for the sergeant at arms in our Lancaster City Council meetings, Deputy Jordan. I was in the middle of the meeting and I have to get up about every hour and run to the bathroom. And on my way back in, there was a fresh ruckus in the room. Slightly, and it's a large auditorium where the council meeting is held. And a moment uh, before I left, I saw this old gentleman come in, an old black gentleman, and he looked like he's got his Sunday best go-to-church meeting clothes on. You know, he looks like a deacon at some of the churches I've been to, or uh, just he was trying to look good, but he had an air of distress about him, a nervousness. I, I couldn't really tell. And something like this is not something of the substance abuse type, you know, maybe drinking, but Older people don't have drug-related issues, so I don't know. He was mad about something, but 
if he's like me, he comes to the meetings to feel a little better about playing a role and pushing things along, not, not feeling so helpless. So I walked out, and on the way out to the bathrooms, my friend Shannon McDonald came in. We sit close to each other. And by the time I was done in the bathroom and came back in, the ruckus was halfway through. I guess there'd been some finger pointing at my friend Shannon. Uh, the old guy turned around and got into a death stare with her or something. I'm not sure. But she gets pretty excited, and it was still, you know, in the wind down of a hot moment. So this poor man was still in the room. He's still very upset, and everyone's trying to escort him out. And at one point in the front of the room, uh, which, you know, the back when you enter, the largest open area, this man was confronted by the sergeant-at-arms who was telling him to calm down. And this is the moment that I want to talk about. This old guy got really, you know, we're talking about a guy that's 5'2", 5'3", tops, probably 110 pounds soaking wet under that suit, and old. So he's not a real danger. But the danger is always to the authority as well. You can't let people talk to the judge or the mayor or conduct themselves in public in certain ways. And he was already over the line. But when the deputy approached him to simply calm down, the old guy reared up as if, you know, don't you tell me what to do and... uh, some other words. And what Deputy Jordan did was just exceptional because you're not trained to do that. Uh, You know, we're under court order from the Justice Department to have all this sensitivity and understanding in our community. And it's largely worked because we were trying to do that long before the Justice Department came. But when this guy, and you're talking about four feet between them, got a little bit aggressive and moved towards the deputy, the deputy put his hands up in an unassailing way and took a step back. And then they wound up walking him out without any conflict. And I thought, that was just great. That's not the way the street works. You can't just confront the authority like that. But it was tolerated, and the toleration allowed it to resolve itself in a way that I hope ended in no one hurt or going to jail. And hopefully somebody talked to that man about what was bugging him. There's a lot in life that's bugging us, but I hope he remembers the compassion and the actual love, the common concern for a human being that was shown to him by Deputy Jordan. Bravo, Lance. Bravo. That's what we're looking for. 